want to preach a message this morning that I've entitled, We Can Certainly Conquer It. We Can Certainly Conquer It. You know, uh, I myself often conquer uh, all things in my dreams. Hands up if you are the hero in your dreams. Come on, Toby Modest. If you're the hero in your dream, I'm the hero in my, I'm the hero in every dream I have. I've scaled buildings. I've saved the, the people that need saving. It's like, I'm the hero in every one of my dreams. But I found out this morning that uh, Fiona was chatting to me uh, at the front, who's on host team this morning, welcoming people. She goes, Pastor Joe, you were in my dream. And you gave such wise counsel in my dream. And I woke up and said, Pastor Joe's got it. He's got the answer. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, if you need wise counsel in your dream, just you know where to get it. There it is. How, how amazing is that? It's hilarious. Quite weird, but uh, also hilarious. I want to I share a story of um, uh, a moment uh, that I endured uh, many years ago. Uh, I, I'm petrified of heights. Hate them. If the stage is any higher, I'd struggle coming up here. Like, I live on the fourth story of an apartment complex and I struggle to stand on my own balcony and, uh, and look over and I've lived there for almost six years now and I can't handle it. And uh, we went on this Ferris wheel and uh, Dad took me on. He was at the, the Ecker and I'm already, like, unsure about whether I want to go on this thing because it looks unsafe and... It goes up so high. Anyways, I embarrassed my poor dad and two of my brothers so much. I kid you not, there is little Joey clinging to the floor of this Ferris wheel, not screaming, squealing. Oh, no. Puberty hadn't kicked in yet, my friends. It was not a scream. It was a squeal. And I was clinging to the base of this unit, kept me off. It's more like, get me off. And, uh, and, and I was like literally frozen, clinging to the floor of this thing. So much so uh, that the guy operating the ride stopped it to let me off because I was ruining everyone else's joy ride on the Ferris wheel. And uh, my dad didn't get off. My brothers didn't get off. Only I got off. They left me, disowned me. And went on their Ferris wheel ride. We don't know that guy. He came and uh, my two brothers didn't even have red hair. So it was really easy. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the friend. That's the neighbor. <laughs> I tell you what, I have tried to conquer the fear of heights. I feel like I've got the fear of falling because like heights, I've worked it out. It's probably not so much the height that the, is the issue because I can be up high and look out. But if I get close, if I feel like I can fall, that's when the fear starts to kick in, when I get to the, when I get to the edge. But I do it every time because I'm like, I'm not going to let fear overrule my life. One day I went to Dreamworld and I went on the giant drop 11 times in a row. I'm, I'm not kidding. 11 times in a row. I'm like, I'm going to conquer this thing. I'm going to conquer this fear of heights. I didn't conquer it. But I did it. I did it. And you know what? It... it it got a little bit easier, right? I skydived three times after that. And then, the, and then uh, Cliff jumped off a 10-metre cliff into a waterhole. I might have stood there for 30 minutes shaking <laughs> while I'm watching everyone else jump off having fun, but I still did it. And that's what I thought was important. You know, I th as I was 
thinking about uh, my message this morning, all those stories came back to me because I realized that in life, when we're starting something, when, when new is on the horizon or when you're on the edge of something, different emotions can begin to stir. Maybe, maybe for you this year, you are starting something. And I know some of you are. Some of you are starting businesses this year. Some of you are starting uh, new ministries this year. Some of you are probably starting things this year that I don't know about yet, but you know. And maybe you haven't even told that significant other in your life, but you feel like you want to start something this year. And you're starting to get close to the edge of it. And emotions start to kick in. Different emotions can kick in. Fear can kick in. Doubt can kick in. Unbelief. Maybe your past memories can start to be stirred up and you can start to dictate the future by what your past has been. But I believe God has sent me this morning to encourage you that that doesn't have to be. That you can conquer it all. It is possible to do the impossible. And you serve a God who wants to take you into the new things for you and for his church for 2023. So I want to I pray as we open up the Word of God this morning. So Heavenly Father, we ask that this morning, Holy Spirit, inspire us from your Word. Holy Spirit, help us to come into alignment with who we've been called to be and with the access that we have. And Lord, I pray that this morning as a church family, that we would walk out of this place more inspired, more set on fire, more free of issues in our life. Lord, that we have an attitude that we can conquer it all. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 All right. The word for the year is what? It's fruit, more fruit, much fruit and everlasting fruit. And I like that. It's not just fruit, because we can get excited about seeing things happen in our lives. It's fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and everlasting fruit. We don't just want fruit for now. We don't just want to be successful uh, on this earth in this time. That, that, that's going to be stuff that's insignificant. But we want to we produce fruit that is everlasting fruit. John 15 Verse 8 says this, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Why will this bring great glory to my Father? So this is Jesus talking and he says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. So I want to put to you this morning, church, to not just desire this year to produce some fruit but have a desire in your life to produce much fruit. But recognize what that is going to entail. It's probably going to require you to live a little bit different, to think a little bit different, to approach life a little bit differently, to, to start to cause yourself to be stirred up with a little bit of faith and go, you know, I don't want to just produce some fruit this year. I want to produce much fruit this year and start to stir yourself up and go, well, what does much fruit look like for me as an individual? What does much fruit look like for me as a family, me and my house, my family? What would much fruit at the end of 2023 look like? And what's going to bring great glory to my father and start to activate faith in your life because I can tell you as you start to step into what God has for you this year you are going to encounter some issues you're going to encounter the emotions of your flesh 
and you are going to encounter the attacks of the enemy. We're going to look through two things this morning, two key issues that will stop you from producing much fruit. But church, there's a lot of fruit. There's lots of different types of fruits. And, And they're all amazing, most of them anyway. Pawpaw, not so much, but most of the other fruits are pretty incredible. I mean, pawpaw is good if you sprinkle and dust sugar all over it and then put cream on top of it. Like, then pawpaw becomes good. Like, it's at least it's got a foundation and a base that can become good, I feel like. But most of the other fruits, amazing. I cram so many fruits into my breakfast smoothie along with a couple of eggs and oats and all those other things because fruits are good. Fruits are good for you. And there's lots of fruit. There's so many different fruit. You've got different fruit. You've got different gifts. I've got different fruit to you. I've got different gifts. We've got lots of different fruit in this place. Essentially, we're a giant big fruit salad. You think about it. A whole mass of different fruits. But we all taste so good together. Who loves a good fruit salad? Come on. If you don't, that's okay. Because spiritually, a great fruit salad is awesome. And that's how God designed it to be. We're all different fruits and we've all got different fruits to give. Today I want to declare what we're going to see and I want to declare what we're going to do. Pastor Mark has made this statement over Emerge Church. He says, Emerge Church will make disciples of Christ whose lives example Jesus and make the teachings of Christ attractive. I just went to Scroll then, how unbelievable. My tablet is also in my pack somewhere touring around the the world that God created for us. Unbelievable. Because I'm getting close to the end of my my first page, but I'm going to have to do the old school way today. Emerge Church. It's hilarious, I know. Emerge Church will make disciples of Christ whose lives example Jesus and make the teachings of Christ attractive. That's not just a statement of Pastor Mark. It's a biblical statement and it's a response to the Great Commission because God doesn't want us to just save people, but he also wants us to to then teach them all the commands of God. Why? Because those commands bring a fruitful, abundant life and they help us to live the blessed life. So this year, I believe our families in this church will be strong. I believe our marriages are going to be strong, that we will forgive quickly, live large, give generously, and we are going to see incredible things happen as we serve the Lord together. This is what I want to declare over our homes, that our homes are going to be sanctuaries away from the world, in the world, but not of the world. And they are going to not just be open to us, but open to all of those around us who are living in need. We will be examples of Jesus in the world, in the workplace, in the workplaces where we work or in the businesses that we run and oversee, in all relationships, putting others before ourselves, choosing to serve our fellow man. Amen? Amen. Our dreams and goals this year are not going to be for selfish personal gain, but they are going to be for the kingdom of God to come to earth. Amen? Amen. Come on, let it not be said of Emerge Church that we do not example the teachings of Jesus. Let it not be said of Emerge Church Morayfield that we're not needed in the community, but the very opposite, that Emerge Church Morayfield is so needed in this community and so needed by our friends and so needed by our family and so needed by everyone around us that they know and recognise that Jesus Christ is the answer. So what can stop us 
from producing much fruit. You see, it's easy to think that we're just going to produce fruit. Because there's the, there's the concept of the fruit tree, that the, if there's a tree, the fruit will just grow. And that's true, mostly. But if it's an unhealthy tree, then bad fruit will grow. And it, and it, and it won't reach its full potential. It'll fall or it'll be attacked by the enemy, it'll be attacked by bugs and stuff like that, and it won't, it won't taste good and it won't be as useful as what it could be. Or maybe like the fig tree that Jesus cursed, it will be a tree that won't be able to produce fruit at all, useless and good for nothing, so wither up and die. So just because it's a fruit tree doesn't mean that it necessarily will produce fruit. So what stops us from producing much fruit? Well, I want to get Old Testament on you today to start off with a couple of things from the Old Testament. And the first point I've got for you this morning is all around the topics of fear and unbelief. See, the Israelites had come out of Egypt and they had seen God's hand do incredible things. Now, they'd endured a lot. And maybe you're here this morning and you're in a similar circumstance. Maybe you've endured a lot in your life up until this point, but maybe you've also seen God move a lot in your life up until this point, or you've seen him move in other people's lives. So you have a knowledge that he can move and you're at this point in your life right now, like the Israelites were, where you're standing on the edge of your promised land and you have to make a decision. Are you going to go into it or are you going to walk around the wilderness for another 40 years? And this is what happened to the Israelites. They get to the edge of the promised land. We're going to pick up the story in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. And the Lord now said to Moses this. He said, send out men to explore the land of Canaan the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. What did they do? They went out and they started to explore the land and they went all the way through to an ancient town, Hebron, and they get there and they see in the valley these beautiful, incredible fruit. Like, like, so big that it says that it took two men to cut off a cluster of grapes and to tie it onto a pole. So picture two men with a pole between them with a cluster of grapes, so big, so heavy, just like not, not the bunches that we have imported from America during the off-season in Woolworths that come semi-frozen. No, I'm talking like, like big, massive grapes. So big, two men pole in between, cluster of grapes hanging from that. You talk about fruit, that, is, that, that sounds like awesome fruit. Just imagine how much liquid you can get out of that. Imagine the size of the sultanas. Like it wouldn't just be little <laughs> sultanas. Like these, these things would be massive big bad boy sultanas. Like one per fruitcake. <laughs> I love fruitcake. So good. pomegranates, figs, they find all this incredible fruit and they bring it back. But they come back with two reports. Ten of the 12 that went in saw 
the issues at hand in the land. They saw the descendants of giants. They felt like grasshoppers in the midst of these people. And they allowed fear to take root inside their heart and then started to sow unbelief into the people around them. There was a second report, though, that came back from Caleb and Joshua that was, let's go and take the land right now for we can certainly conquer it. Come on. You think about this. Who is bigger than the giants? Who lives inside of you? What spirit do you carry that is able to overcome the spirit of the world around you? You might be on the edge of the promised land looking in and thinking, man, I'm not sure I can do this. I don't know if I can start this thing this year. I don't know if I can be that person. I don't know if I can let go of that issue. I don't know if I can let go of that hurt. I don't know if I'm going to see breakthrough in this area of my life. Well, I can tell you that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you and he is a whole lot bigger than any issue you are facing down in your life. Come on, don't be, don't be like the disciples who sat in the boat and didn't get up and walk on water. Be like Peter this year that says to Jesus, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come and get out on the water and start to do some things that might seem impossible to the world around you. But come on, is anything impossible for your God? No. Numbers 13.30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Church, don't look at what you can't do. Stay focused on what he can do. Stay focused on what you can do through the power of God. Stay focused on what you are able to do. Stay focused on how big God is, not how big the task is. If you start to consume yourself with what's physically in front of you, you will forget who is spiritually behind you and who is able to do more than you can even think or imagine. Come on. You can be overwhelmed with fear and doubt. And then unbelief can start to creep in. It'll lead to cynical thinking in your life and it'll start to spread like a disease, not just in your life, but to the people around you. Because if you allow fear to take root in your life and you start to speak unbelief out, you not only will speak it out over yourself, you'll start to speak it out over the people around you. Choose not to be that person this year. Choose to be someone that doesn't speak unbelief into a situation just because you don't think it can happen or just because you don't think it's possible or just because you don't think that that's what God might want to do in this moment. Don't overrule someone else is faith because of your unbelief. See, unbelief, once it takes root, it's like a disease. It starts to spread and it sucks out the faith in your life. But it doesn't just suck out the faith in your life. It starts to suck out the energy in the room, starts to suck out the faith of other people. It starts to suck out the bigness of God in your life and the bigness of who God can be for you. And it starts to make God smaller than the issue right in front of you. You need to uproot unbelief as soon as it presents itself to you. Come on, church, we will win more if we're back to God. We will win the suburbs in this region back to God. We serve a God who is big enough and more than able and more than willing to do what you and I want him to do. 
Come on, if you're believing for someone to be saved this year, I can confidently tell you that you are praying to Jesus, someone who wants them saved way more than you do. So don't pray with doubt in your heart. Pray with faith in your heart because you are praying to someone who wants it way more than you do. You know, in the end, Joshua ended up going into the promised land. Caleb ended up going into the promised land. And their little ones that the previous generation was so afraid that would be captured and taken away were the ones that got to go into the promised land. The whole generation that said no and gave in to unbelief then wandered around the desert for 40 years, all passed away. None of them got to go into the promised land. Only the next generation received what was actually meant for them. They were on the edge of the promised land. And church, we are on the edge right now of something incredible happening in this church. We are on the edge of something incredible happening in Morayfield. And I want to be a church and I want you to be a person that stands on the edge of the promised land this year and says, we can do it. God can do it. We can conquer it. He is big enough. The God that I serve is more than able to do what we need him to do. Amen. Come on, if you can't believe for something that someone else can believe for, this is what I want you to do this year. Rather than speaking out the unbelief or the doubt or the fear that's starting to take root in your life, I want you to start to speak and declare the Word of God over that circumstance. Start to speak and declare the Word of God over your mind and start to remind yourself of the stories of Scripture. Start to remind yourself of the testimonies that you've already encountered. Start to remind yourself of the testimonies that others are encountering. That's why church is so important. This is the gathering point once a week. It's the, it's the rallying point so that we can go back and do what we've been called to do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then we come back and start all over again on Sunday. Speak the word of God into your spirit. Don't even allow an ounce of unbelief to take root. Because once it does, it's harder to uproot it than when you cast it out in the first place. Even Jesus would often struggle with his own disciples with unbelief. Still you don't believe. Still you don't get it. Why do you have such little faith? Come on, let's recognize what we carry. Let's recognize who we serve and let's let it all out. You know, the Israelites got so close to the promised land, so close they could taste it. Literally, they were holding the fruit of the promised land. But by a report of fear, unbelief took root and they stopped themselves from going in. Church, this year, let's not be the generation that sits back, shrinks back, does not achieve what is most certainly possible for us to achieve. I want it to be said of Emerge Church Morayfield that we are a church that prays big prayers, that pray prayers like sun stand still prayers, like Joshua prayed, that we believe that there is nothing impossible for the God that we serve, that we start praying prayers that are worthy of the cross. We start praying prayers that are more than more than enough for us, more than enough for our immediate family, more than enough for this place, more than enough for this property, so much that it overflows into the world around us. Come on, let it 
Let it be said of Church Morrowfield that this year that we see miracles happen because we pray and believe for them, that we see breakthrough happen in our lives because we believe for it and we go for it and we see it come to pass. Let it be said of this place that we example Jesus, that Jesus is the answer. You see, it's even more pertinent for us to enter the promised land than it was for the Israelites because we're under a whole new covenant. For us, we're bringing light into darkness, love and hope into a world that is desperately crying out for help, a world around us that is bound in bondage. We are not to scout it out to see if it's good for us because it's not. We've been told to conquer it. We've been told to invade the darkness with light. We've been sent to tell them about another place. We've been told to spread the good news. We've been told to be a witness for Jesus, ambassadors of heaven. See, God may have told the Israelites to scout the land and to look at what they're about to go into, but God hasn't told us to scout the land. God has told us to go into the world, to preach the good news, to get them baptized and to teach them all of the commandments with the promise that He is going to be with us even until the end of the age. So let's not add steps to the Great Commission. Let's just do it. Let's get engaged in doing what God has asked us to do and stop standing back or shrinking back and worrying about what might go wrong or maybe it's going to look like this or what if that doesn't happen. We haven't been asked to scout. We've been asked to go and take it because God's already scouted and when He scouted, He said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he's going to send laborers into the harvest. The church this year, be a laborer in the harvest. Don't scout, don't stand back, don't sit down. Let's get up and get out there and get in there and take back what is God's. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, this year, let's have the attitude of Joshua. Let's have the attitude of Caleb and let's try and quieten the unbelief in our own heart or quieten any doubt or fear that might start to creep up around us. And let's say we can certainly conquer it. You see, church, this year we are going to win back this land for Jesus. We are going to win back this land for Jesus. We are going to start seeing so many souls being saved, so many people coming in to the house of God, so many people encountering the church on Monday to Saturday, hearing about the testimony of what Jesus has done in your life, that they can't even wait for Sunday. They're like, how do I have Jesus right now? Tell me how I can have him in my life right now. And I believe that we're going to see more people saved from Monday to Saturday than they will on Sunday. They're going to come already saved on Sunday because they got saved that week when you led them in a prayer. It's going to happen this year. But when that first battle comes, you're going to need to decide what sort of person you're going to be in that moment. See, someone might sit in your seat might get a little bit difficult to find a car park. Maybe there'll be interruptions in in the service. Maybe someone won't understand the etiquette of church or groups or family. Somebody says something or wears something or doesn't wear something that they should be wearing. Somebody says something that offends you. Somebody lets you down. Maybe a whole bunch of people come. Maybe some youth come and the youth get a little bit rowdy. 
They start to, start to engage in their relationship with Jesus in ways that maybe we've never seen before. Maybe the room gets a little bit messy and it all maybe starts to get a little bit too much for you. You've got to decide in that moment, what type of person are you going to be? Yeah. You see, the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors, the lame and the blind, the lepers, yeah. the cursed and the possessed and the dead, they're the ones that need Jesus. They're the ones that Jesus came to find. And that's who we've been called to go and bring into the kingdom of God to set them free, to preach the good news, to go out to the highways and the byways, anywhere that anyone will accept the story of Jesus. That's who you and I have been called to be. Church, the enemy is going to fight us. And if we're not engaged in a fight, then I would put to you that you're probably not doing what you should be doing. Because Jesus said, when they persecute you, yeah. when they persecute you, when they ridicule you, when they mock you, when they attack you for your faith, when they unjustly accuse you of something, then recognize that you are probably starting to do what you have been called by Jesus to do. Come on, know that in that moment, you are invading darkness with light and you are starting to stir up the enemy. Come on, is there someone in the room today that wants to stir up the enemy in their family and stir up the enemy in this world? Because then I know you're going to start to see a fight on your hands. But just remember in that moment, the greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? Come on, church, you can do it. You can do it this year. There is an enemy out there that has had a hold on our land for way too long. We've got to take it back. It's our land. It's God's land. God's land. Our people are out there crying out for help and you and I carry the very answer that they need. So what's another thing that can stop us from producing much fruit? I'm going to jump over to the New Testament now. And the thought is this, the allures of wealth and sin. Let the seed fall on good soil and don't let it get choked out. Jesus said that we must understand the meaning of the parable of the farmer sowing seeds if we are going to have a hope in understanding all the other parables. He made this statement to the disciples after he shared the parable and they came to him and said, can you, can you explain this to us? Why, why are you always talking in parables, Jesus? And Jesus said, if you can't get this one, you won't understand any of the others. You see, the, the first seed, it says that went out, fell down on the pathway, and it said that Satan came and snatched it away straight away. So they are the ones that hear the gospel, but they don't even allow it to go in because it's snatched away straight away. Satan comes in and picks up that seed before it is even able to, to even crack through the surface into someone's life. So that person hasn't even engaged in a relationship with Jesus yet. The second person, the second group of people, it says, is the people that as soon as problems arise or persecution starts to, to happen in their relationship with God because of their faith in God that they give up. It's too hard, they walk away. So problems start to arise. Oh, well, this is not what, this is not what I thought it would be. Or persecution comes, oh, it was it was good when it was all the blessing, Jesus, and all the fun stuff, but no, nah, I'm out. 
tag, <laughs> you're it. Someone else can have a crack at that thing, Christianity. Not, not for me. As soon as problems arise or persecution arise, something happens, something comes at you, something, something offends you or something doesn't work out the way you thought it would or, or someone does something or something doesn't happen or some prayer doesn't get answered. As soon as these people, this second group of people engage in problems or persecution, they tap out. The third group of people, I believe, is the people where most of us find ourselves. This is where the, the real battle takes place, and it's actually the most dangerous ground to have before the fourth group of people. Mark chapter 4, verse 18 to 19, it says this, The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. Our faith begins to be crowded out by the worries of this life. You see, at this point, the soil is good and the seed has fallen into good soil. But it's not the only thing that's starting to grow there. There's weeds that are either already there or weeds that have come or weeds that we've allowed to not just start to grow, but we've allowed them to fully grow. Things that we think that we can handle. You know those things that we start to justify in our life, the, the sins or the desires of other stuff that we, when we first gave our life to Jesus, like, oh, I'm giving up on that. I'm not going to watch that anymore. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. I'm not going to go there anymore. I'm not going to engage in that anymore. And then we start to think, well, maybe this is my cross to bear or oh, it's not that bad or I'm strong enough to handle this stuff now. Like, it's okay if it's there. It's only a little bit. It's only, you know, it's only a couple of hours every night. Like, there's 22 hours in the day when I'm walking hand in hand with Jesus. It's those weeds and thorns and thistles start to grow up and rather than uprooting them when they start to grow, we allow them to take root in our life, in our family, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our businesses, and we start to lower the standard of Christianity and we start to then have what once looked beautiful and attractive start to merge in and mix with the world. Oh, well, I've got to, I've got to be relevant to the world, don't I? No, you've got to be relevant in heaven. You've got to be so different to what the rest of the world looks like that they can see that there is another way to live, that there is more. Number one, the lure of wealth. Number two, the desire for other things. The result of both of those was that no fruit ends up being produced. Church, this is the stuff that you've got to deal with. Don't let the worries of this life pull you away. Don't let unanswered prayers start to attack your faith in God. Don't let the, the desires of stuff that is literally just going to burn up in ash start to suck your attention away and start to cause you to self-justify why it's okay to have a little bit of it here and a little bit of it there. Decide today, no, enough is enough. I'm not going to engage in these things any longer because I can tell you that the, the best life possible that you want to live is a life without that stuff in it. 
Because it starts to suck away your faith in God and that's when unbelief can take root and all of the hopes and dreams that you might have had start to dissipate and fade. Don't let your flesh win. Don't give up your soul to instant gratification and temptations of this life. Tell your flesh to submit to the Word of God. and Church, let's support one another. We all go through it. It's not wrong to get tempted. Tell people what you are being tempted by. Tell someone, hey, I'm struggling with church attendance. Hey, I'm struggling with reading my Bible. Hey, I'm struggling with this sin. I'm struggling with this thought. You know, I'm thinking about leaving. I'm thinking about getting out. Tell someone. Because even Jesus was tempted. And Jesus, who it says was perfect and sinless and spotless, was tempted in every way. It is not a sin to be tempted. So tell someone with what you are being tempted and ask them, hey, how are you getting tempted? And let's fight that fight together because it's so much easier to fight against the temptations of the flesh when you have someone working with you. It is not a sin to think the thought or to be tempted by the action. But if you don't bring it out into the light, I can tell you it will be given birth and it will take root and then you'll have to live with the consequence of engaging in that temptation. Come on, we need to pray for each other. We need to champion each other. We need to read the Word of God and allow it to wash over us. Satan will not win over our lives, amen? Come on, our flesh will not win over the calling that God has placed on each and every one of us. We are not going to submit this year. If you're thinking about walking away, don't. Stay. Fight. If you're thinking about giving up, don't. Satan did not hang on that cross for you and he does not love you and he would love to take you out because that's his role. Don't give in. Don't walk away. Stay in the family. Stay in your family. Stay strong and let's fight the good fight. It is not easier to serve yourself. And it is not easier to give into the world. You think it is, but it's not. You will hurt more. Life might not be easy with Jesus Christ in it, but I can tell you it is easier than the alternative. It is so much easier to go through this fallen, awful state of earth that we, you and I, we are enduring with Jesus than without him. Wealth. Honestly, what could you gain from the world that God could not give to you? Don't strive for money. If you are slipping into a striving for money, you've missed it. Just stop. Start to strive for the good things of God. Start to strive for the gifts that God has given you. And I can tell you, God will take care of all of the other stuff anyway. It's not wrong to enjoy the fruit of your labor. It's actually a a, a blessing that we are encouraged to do. But if you are striving for money, if money is starting to become the goal, then you are one step away from accepting a life full of thorns and thistles. And I can tell you that you won't want Jesus in it. Sin, the desire for other stuff, the other things that so easily trip us up. See, even in the Old Testament, there was a day called the atonement. It was in Leviticus chapter 16. Verse 34, let me, let me show this to you. Check this out. It's incredible. This is a permanent law for you to purify the people of Israel from their sins, making them right with the Lord once each year. 
So once a year, Aaron had to go through all these crazy sacrifices and purification ceremonies and say the right things and do the right things and dress the right way and wash the right way, literally. Such a delicate process so that he wasn't killed and so that he was able to once a year enter into the most holy of holy throne room of God where the Ark of the Covenant was. And on behalf of him, his family and all of the people offer a sacrifice And then out in the courtyard was a goat, one of two. The second goat, one was offered as part of the sacrifice with the bull and a couple of other things to take place in the temple. And then the other goat, Aaron would lay his hands on it and all of the sins, think about that, of the entire nation of Israel was placed on that goat by this act of Aaron laying hands on it. And then this guy had a job to force this goat out to this place called Azazel and then out there and it would wander off and die and fall off and, and just it would be destroyed. And God said, when that goes out into Azazel, all of the sins of the entire nation will be forgiven and forgotten. Wow. If that's what the old covenant offered, how much more does our new covenant offer us when we have a high priest who is not a man but Jesus Christ who paid the once for all time sacrifice. So often I recognise even in my own life and the lives of so many people around me that the sin that we commit we hold on to it and we bring it along with us and we don't engage in the calling on our life because of the sin that we've committed. But as you repent... As you say, sorry, God is faithful and just. He forgives and he forgets, so leave it in the grave. I want to tell you this morning that you don't have to think about the sin that you committed last year. You don't even into the new covenant have to think about the sin that you committed last week. The blood of Jesus washes it whiter than snow. It is no more, so don't bring it back up out of the grave and don't hold on to it because it is not a part of your story. We are meant to be living in freedom, life and life abundant. Can I get the band to come back up, please? It's incredible. You know, from the old covenant where, where it was such a delicate an unstable process for one man to be allowed into the throne room of God. Now with our covenant that we are told, we are encouraged to come boldly into the very throne room of God, that God wants us to come there, not just even once a day, but all the time. That you in any moment can step into the throne room of your loving Father because your sin has been dealt with at the cross. Check this out, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. It says, So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Church, eagerly waiting. Eagerly waiting for all those who are eagerly waiting for him. Let's live eagerly waiting. Let's not focus on the stuff that we've done. Let's focus on the task at hand and the mission that God has given to us. Mark chapter 4 verse 20. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 
60 or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Church, let's produce much fruit this year. Let's produce much fruit. Let's produce 30, 60 or even 100 times what God has planted in our life. Decide this year that you are going to step into that dream and desire that you know has come from God. Decide this year that you are going to invite that person into your story, that you are going to introduce them to Jesus, that you are going to introduce them to church. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church, this is what is important. This is our mission. This is your calling. This is what God has asked you to do. If you don't think that you are meant to be here or you don't have a calling or you don't have a purpose, that's your purpose. That's your mission. That's the reason for your existence. That is the calling that is on your life to example Jesus to the world around you and to tell them about him, to get them baptized and to disciple them, to teach them all of the commandments that God has given to us. It's your purpose. It's your greatest calling in life. It's an adventure. It's waiting for you to take it by two hands and run with it. Would you stand this morning as I close? And I want you to grab that card that is on your chair. It's a your invited card. On the back, there is an opportunity for you right there to take this card and to make it personal. It says, come and check out church with me. Write your name and put your number in that white box and give it to someone. Next Sunday, we've got our fun day. Let's invite someone. Let's invite them to experience what Christianity is all about. Let's invite them to experience what God has for them. Let's invite them into a room where they can encounter the love of God, freedom of Jesus. Let's invite them into a place where they're not gonna be judged, but they're gonna be loved. They're gonna be given wisdom and support They're going to be given the answer to life. They're going to find a brother, a sister, a business partner. They're going to find someone to marry. They're going to find their hope. They're going to find joy. They're going to find life. They're going to find light because at the moment they're living in darkness. They're living in hopelessness. And they are living with all of the distractions and the issues that the world offers only. So take this card, write your name on it, write your number on it. And decide this week, I'm going to invite someone to meet Jesus. I'm going to invite someone to come to church with me. And I'm going to tell them, hey, you can't get there. I'll get you there. I'll come and pick you up. What's your address? Let me get you there. Come on, let's go and do the great commission that God has asked us to do. I want to pray for two people this morning. I want us to pray that each of us are going to have an opportunity to invite someone to hear about Jesus. Maybe, maybe it won't happen this week. That's okay. It can happen next week. It doesn't matter if they don't accept it. But it does matter if we invite.
Because if we don't invite, they can't accept. But if we do invite, at least we are giving them the opportunity to accept that invitation. They don't have to accept it, but they do have to be invited to be able to accept it. Our mission is not to see the salvation flow. Our mission is to see the gospel message go out. Our mission is to send the invites out to the world around us. So I want us to, I want to pray for people this morning that might think that they're going to struggle with inviting someone. Because greater is he that's in you, amen? Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. The second type of person I want to pray for this morning is someone that knows they're meant to start something this year, but you are scared. Well, you can't see how it could be possible. You want to start something, you I don't know. I don't know if I can step out. I want to pray for you this morning. And this is what I want to say over all of us. Mothers, be the best mums that you can be. Love your husbands in a way that honours Jesus in your family. Fathers, be the best dads that you can be. Love your wives. Example to your children how to love. And lead them in every area of your life, private and public. It's what I would say to you that maybe you're still living at home. Obey your parents and do what they say. Don't get sucked into the standards of this world. If it's not biblical, then don't allow it to become a part of your worldview. Young person, if you are living at home and you are still under the roof of your parents, don't allow what the world says is okay to dictate how you live. Family, let's be a family church. Let's fight for one another. Let's defend one another. Defend from even sometimes the thoughts that rise up on the inside. If you're feeling feelings that are pulling you away from this family or are wanting you to attack this family, recognize that they are feelings and that they are being fueled by lies that come from the pit of hell. Uproot them. They are not coming from Jesus. They are coming to cause disunity, dysfunction, and division. And I can promise you that that vision will die because the vision of Jesus Christ will succeed. Uproot them, burn them, get them out of your life, get them out of your mind. Replace them with feelings that flow from the love of the Word of God. Amen?